Today's scripture reading is Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. All right. Well, I got to tell you, after these last two weeks, I feel a little bit vulnerable, y'all. Uh, so last Sunday, we had to talk about marriage, okay? And uh, most weeks, uh, my wife, Kelly, is in the second service, and she, she knows me pretty well. Uh, and I can be a lousy, selfish, unmotiv- unmotivated husband. Uh, she knows it. I know it. And still, I had to talk about marriage. And now we're talking about family and parenting. Now, thankfully, in this case, I am a perfect father. Uh, with perfect children. Uh, actually, my kids are the worst. Uh, you should know that. Uh, no, they're, they're pretty great, right? Okay, but like same thing. Like every Sunday, second service, David and Eden, they're sitting in here. They know the real deal, people. They know who I am, right? They know my problems, my temptations, my tendencies, all of that. And sometimes, like probably many of us, if you're a parent in this room, sometimes I feel like a failure as a parent. And once again, just like last week, we bring so much personal baggage to the subject, don't we? We do that probably every week, I guess, in many ways. But, I mean, some of us, when we come to this subject, some of us had really bad or maybe very disappointing parents. Others of us had great parents, but you're still grieving their loss. Or maybe you're in that place where you're sort of parenting your older parents, right? And you're trying to figure out what does it mean in that context to honor thy father and mother, And we want to know, is there good news for me today? For others of you, maybe your kids are grown and you're like, I'm just done with this subject completely, right? Or maybe maybe they're grown, but you look back and you made big mistakes. Or maybe maybe you just feel like you made big mistakes, but you're plagued with that constant question of if, if only, right? And you want to know, is there good news for me today? Still others... We're in the throes of parenting, exhausted and overwhelmed, and you're too tired to even want to talk about it, right? And kids, students, uh, if you're uh, in here as well, and especially more uh, second service, you maybe are just waiting for the right time for a bathroom break, right? And then, of course, there are still others of us who wish we'd been able to have kids, or maybe are still wishing, and we want to know, is there good news for me? Well, the answer is yes. But there's always good news when we as God's people come to his word. Always. But that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. And it may challenge some of our preconceived notions about what the family is even for. So if you were listening as the texts were read, I mean, this was similar to to last week when we were in Ephesians. We talked about marriage, and we said that part of our problem is that we wrongly believe marriage is ultimately about my satisfaction and my rights, right? Which will lead to disaster in any marriage. And so what Paul told us last week is actually know that marriage is, is about something way bigger than any husband and wife, right? It's, it's meant to, to tell the story of God's love for his people. And that when we actually live into what marriage is for, this, this story our marriages can actually grow. We can actually tell that story and find great joy in them. 
But this, the same is, is true with, with family, right? And we tend to make family about us or about something else other than what God has intended for us. And family, of course, is a really good thing, but it's one of the biggest idols in our culture, and that especially, I think, sometimes affects the church, right? We can be just as guilty. And so we make certain assumptions about what the family is for. So, for example, we might think that, well, family ultimately exists, again, just like everything else in the universe, right, for my satisfaction, right? We tend to think that way. And and so I'm going to live vicariously through my kids. I'm going to give them everything I wanted but didn't have, everything except my attention, right? I'm going to give them all that stuff. I'm going to do all these things, right, to make sure that they love me no matter what forever. That they, they exist to make me feel like my life matters. I mean, none of us would say that, but some of us love that way, right? Or maybe, maybe like my family exists so that I can, you know, create the next set of, of well-adjusted, successful humans, right? And so they need to be in the right activities, which is probably all of them, culturally, right? All the activities. They've got to get the right grades, go to the right schools, get the right job, make the right money, which is, of course, lots, right? Because we all know that busyness and money are the key to happiness for all of us, right? None of us would say that, but we look at our schedules and the pressure we put on our kids might tell us otherwise. And then, of course, still others think, I just have to protect my kids from the big, bad world. I've got to keep them from harm, from bad influence, almost like it's our job to follow Jesus for them. But what if God's goal for our families is different. Well, according to Scripture, it is, right? That God's goal for the family is that we'd learn the way of Jesus together. In fact, the, the family is meant to be like a little church. And the church is meant to be like a big family, right? And so just like the church, God's goal is that we'd learn the way of Jesus together. So turn it with me to Ephesians chapter 6, if you haven't already. Again, the family is meant to be like a little church, like a miniature version of the church, and the church is meant to be a really big family. These metaphors, these images go back and forth. So whether or not you have kids, okay, so maybe some of you are thinking, this just none of this applies to me. That's actually not true, right, because you're part of this family, this church family. And so whether or not you have kids, Kids, like, this matters for all of us because we're all in this family trying to learn how to follow Jesus together. Now, if you're here last week, let me remind us kind of where we're at. We're in this section of Ephesians uh, that's referred to as the household codes, uh, which is a common way of writing in that culture in the first century. Uh, It was to sort of say, this is the way the home should look. And politicians wrote these, philosophers wrote these. So it was common in the first century. So Paul is doing the same thing, except for him, they're completely different. Like, he he throws everything that was expected for their culture on its head, right, and gives incredible dignity to all all parties involved when he talks about this is is what the home, the Christian home, should look like, right? And so Paul actually addresses, and he actually addresses first, those that their culture would have considered as unimportant, which would have been an unthinkable act of dignity. And so just as he did last week, today he addresses children first, again, children wouldn't even have been addressed in these codes, in the, in the culture around them. But he addresses them, and he addresses them first as a place of honor. I mean, children in the first century were 
considered property of the family, um, even disposable. But Paul wants us to know that is not how God sees them. It's not, it's not how God sees our kids. And so start with me, chapter 6, verse 1. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So look, look first where Paul begins and where he ends, right? Because it shows us God's goal for the home, right? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. And at the end, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The goal of a child's obedience and the goal of a parent's parenting is the Lord Jesus. It's learning the way of Jesus. And so this is, this is God's goal for our family. So I've got, I've got four questions for us then, if that's true. If that's God's goal, that's what he's trying to do through us and through you, if that's true, four questions. First, if that's God's goal for our family, is our goal the same as his goal? It's probably a good place to start, right? Is our goal the same as his goal? Because parenting, I mean, certainly it's a full-time job and then some, right? Many of us know that. And while there are millions of things on our job description, at the very top, according to Scripture, is to learn the way of Jesus together. But is that really the top of our lists? I realize some of you are thinking, man, I just, I'm just trying to survive this season, right? I get it, okay? Or I just, I just want them out of the house one day. No, I understand that one as well, right? But that's not your goal, right? Or I, just, I just want them to love me forever and always be close, and I, I know that feeling And yet, if that's your chief goal, you'll either smother them or spoil them. I just want them to have every opportunity. And so many of our kids in adolescence are constantly busy, and adolescents today tend to be anxious, exhausted, and depressed. Look at the studies. Maybe every opportunity isn't the best thing for them. Even just ask yourself, when has your busy schedule ever given you more joy than meaningful time with the people you love? Why are we teaching our kids to live like that? Or again, maybe it's, I just want my kids to be successful, and I, me too, right? We, we want to develop contri- contributing members of society. Absolutely, of course we do. But it's probably not very often that people ask you what college you went to, right? When's the last time somebody was in- interested in your GPA, right? No, no, nobody cares, ultimately, Right? And hopefully we've all realized by now that money and success is not the key to happiness. But I just, I want them to feel good about themselves. Same, same. But feeling good about yourself cannot purely come from within or by affirming every single thing about them. We feel best about ourselves by discovering who we are in the context of our people, right? In the context of our community. Seen by a God who loves us who shows us a better way to live. And it's not that these other goals are unimportant, right? We just should stop thinking about them. That's not it at all, but they cannot be ultimate. Instead, when learning the way of Jesus is ultimate, we can begin to get perspective, right? We get to order our priorities, our schedules, our conversations, our activities, the way we love and affirm and encourage. 
So if our, our goal is to learn the way of Jesus together, here's the second question. Second question. Parents, are you showing your children the way of Jesus? They are watching you. Whether you, whether you like it or not, right? Evidence suggests that many of us grow, grow up believing uh, in a God that somehow acts a lot like our parents do, right? There's a lot of evidence that suggests that. It's scary, isn't it? That you are showing them, not just telling them, you are showing them who God is or the way that you live. No pressure. I love how the, the message paraphrases verse 4 here. Let me read verse 4 in the, in the message. It says, fathers, don't frustrate your children with no-win scenarios. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. I love that picture, right? And certainly moms as well, but I, like, I need that command, right? Because how, how easy it is to needlessly frustrate our children or provoke them to anger. God, forgive us. Sin. God forgive me for doing that to my kids. God forgive all of us for our parents. And kids in the room, we're sorry for sinning against you in this way. It's so easy for us to do that. Doesn't excuse it, but please forgive us. Forgive the, your parents, right? And even that language there, take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. It means you you have to be following Jesus, right? You cannot lead somebody to a place you're not going. You can't, you can't hope your kids make faith a priority if it's not a priority to you, right? And they know if it's a priority to you. They're watching. You can't, you can't teach your kids to follow Jesus or command them to, right? You have to show them. And you have to show them in such a way that there's a beauty and a joy for you as you follow Jesus, even in the hard places, right? You know, one of my, one of my strongest memories of my dad, and this is still true of him, I, I mean, I assume it is, I'm not there in the morning very often anymore, but one of my strongest memories is that early in the morning, no matter how early it seemed like I, I would get up, he would be sitting in his favorite chair, drinking a cup of coffee with his Bible open on his lap. As long as I can remember, that's the image of him. And it's remarkable, it's a little scary actually, how similar my morning routine is to his. I mean, even sometimes when I pray, I can hear my dad's voice. It kind of creeps me out, right? I pray like my dad. Because he took me by the hand, and he led me in the way of the master. So how do, how do we do this practically? Let me, let me just mention three practical ways. There's lots that could be said here, but let me mention three things in particular. At least that have, that have been important for our, our family. Okay? You can learn from this or not, but there's three things in particular. One, one is, is to make faith a normal part of your home. Because sometimes it feels awkward all of a sudden like to start talking about Jesus or whatever. It's like, if that's, it can be really strange for some of us, right? The goal is to make it normal. It's not a hobby. Faith isn't a hobby. It's not just for, for Sunday. So, like, talk about the difference that Jesus makes in your life. Like, when you're upset or overwhelmed or sad or depressed or lonely or angry or whatever, whatever it is, right? Pray when there's a problem in your family. Pray before meals, right? Even if, that, even if for no other reason just to make it normal in your family. Talk about how God sees important matters in our world. Like politics. It's a good week for that, right? 
Talk about how God sees racism or abortion or sexuality or violence. Encourage kids to ask questions about their faith and to express their doubts. And if you don't, if you don't feel qualified to enter those conversations with your kids, join the club. Who does, right? Nobody does. I don't feel qualified. Those are always scary places, and yet there's a, there's a place there where you can wrestle with those things together. You, your kids can see you wrestling with your faith, right? And yet still leaning on Jesus. That's okay. The conversations are worth it. We also have extra copies of the book Habits of the Household. That's a great resource. You can grab them at the children's ministry desk. If we run out, we'll order a few more for you. Um, but that's a great resource as well. I also love what Deuteronomy 6 says. Deuteronomy 6 in the Old Testament is like the, the classic parenting text, right? Um, let, me, let me read it again from the message. I like, I like the way it's paraphrased here. Look, look at Deuteronomy 6. It says, love God, your God, with your whole heart. Love him with all that's in you. Love him with all you've got. Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you and then get them inside your children. Talk about them. Wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street, talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. Tie them on your hands and foreheads as a reminder. Inscribe them on the doorposts of your homes and on the city gates. In other words, right, make faith a normal part of your life. Second, second, schedule relationships over activities. Relationships over activities. People... Many of us want to follow Jesus. We don't have time, right? We're just, we're just so busy. We're so exhausted, right? We don't have time to do that. I'm not minimizing homework or extracurricular activities. Like, all of us, sure. But the reality is, the older my kids get, the more I realize I have, like, five minutes with them to form them into who God wants them to be. Five. That's, that's what it feels like. You know what I'm saying? And some of, you, some of you know that better than I do. Your kids are already gone out of the house. It's like, it's so fast, Right? And then they're gone. Plan your life accordingly. Eat dinner, dinner together as much as humanly possible and don't rush through it. Turn off the TV. Go on walks. Take family trips if you're able to. Linger in places of deep relational connection with one another. Invest in, in a few uh, meaningful relationships, other families, right, that, that are committed to doing this together, to raising your kids together, to, to walking together in the way of Jesus. Schedule relationships over activities. And then third, uh, prioritize church in your weekly schedule. And I know, it's like, of course a pastor's going to say that, right? I know, I know, I know. But listen, your kids need this habit, and you need this habit. And they need to see you weekly submitting yourself to God's word. Listening to what God says, even when it makes you uncomfortable, even when you don't like it, right? To submit yourself to God's word, and to see you worshiping God together. They need to see that. And for many of us, sadly, like churches become more, more and more of one of those, like, if we have time activities in our lives, right? So we, we like it, we can schedule it in when we can, right? But it's, it's sort of an add-on after our schedules are established. And our lives are so overscheduled. But the reality is church and time and meaningful relationships with others, those should be the first things that go on our calendar. And then we put everything else around it afterwards, Right? Our families need this, and we need it every week. You know, one of the things that we've always encouraged families as best as we can is, is to be uh, two-service families. Maybe you've heard this phrase uh, for us uh, before, but like to, that we think that's one of the best things for most of us is to, is to serve during one service, 
And so if you have kids, they can be a part of age-appropriate programming and with uh, other people their age, all of that, um, and do that so you're serving there in their classrooms, and then come and be a part of church together. Uh, as young as possible, honestly. We don't mind the noise. We know it's a little bit noisy sometimes, but it's worth it, right? It's worth it. We are being formed, and we need to make this community a priority. And listen, of course, none of these are guaranteed. Like, I hope you know that, right? None of, none of these are, you can be the best parent, and you can do all of the things, all of them, and have kids who don't follow Jesus. It's not in our control. And so pray a lot. And you got to remind yourself, you didn't create your kid's heart. And so ultimately, you can't change their heart, but you can pray to the one who did make their hearts, right? And ask him to do that work. They are ultimately his children and not ours. Our responsibility is to simply show them the way of Jesus. It's up to them and it's up to God whether or not they walk in it. Which leads to question number three. Question number three. Children, there's a few of you out there, right? Um, And more in second service. Children, are you following your parents in the way of Jesus? Are you following your parents in the way of Jesus? We cannot follow Jesus for you. But are you following us as we follow him? And kids, your parents are going to mess up. I mean, you know that. You already know that. But I'm just going to acknowledge that. They're going to mess up, right? We're going to fail you, and I'm sorry for that. But as we seek to show you the way, will you follow us? Look, at, look again at verse, verse 1. Paul says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. He's quoting there from the Ten Commandments, right? And it comes with a promise. And we don't, we don't obey simply because the Bible tells us to or simply because if you don't, you'll be grounded, right? There's a promise that life is better when we obey. And students as well, there comes a point in your Faith when it has to become your own, not just your parents. When you have to choose whether or not you're going to believe. And that's a, that can be a scary thing. For me, that came my, my senior year of high school. I was 18 years old, and I had all kinds of doubts. I still do, right? Still, still wrestle with this. But we don't have to be afraid of our doubts. Like, we can bring our, our doubts to God and to others. And, and honestly, with a curious mind, they can actually sharpen our faith, grow us in faith. So talk about your doubts. Talk about your faith with your parents, with another Christian that you trust. It's okay. Let me, let me just say this as well uh, to the, the kids and the students. Um, no matter what, no matter what, you always have a church family who loves you. And nothing, nothing can change that. Nothing. Uh, you can never wander too far or sin too big for your church here to stop loving you, pursuing you, and proclaiming Jesus to you. Now, real quick, though, what about the majority of us here who maybe have older parents? What's our responsibility with them, right? Because uh, some of you, uh, your, your parents, like you're, you're an adult, right? But your parents, they either drive you bananas at best uh, or still try to control your life at worst. That's not all, right? But some of us are in those spaces. What's our responsibility? Well, I, don't, I don't think it's one of obedience, right? Because the Bible also tells us that when we, when we get married in particular, that we are to, to leave our families and cling to our spouse, okay? So there's a new kind of a loyalty there. And yet that honoring command 
don't think it ever goes away, right? And we're still, even in broken situations, no matter how difficult our parents and in-laws can sometimes be, that we're to honor them, right? Which means I probably have some repenting to do, right? Keep honoring them, that it may go well with you. And so again, God's goal for the family is that we learn together the way of Jesus. Okay, parents have a role, children have a role, but so does the church family. And this is, this is the last question. Church family, are we living this out together? Are we all embracing this? No matter your situation in life, whether you have kids or grown kids or like kids or hate kids or like whatever, like are we embracing this idea that the, the, the family is meant to be a little church and the church is meant to be a big family? which means we're all in this together. I even love that we have this regular reminder uh, for us when we do uh, child dedications two or three times a year. If you've been here any length of time, you know, uh, so much fun, right? We have all these families up here with their, with their kids, and they make really, really huge promises, and they're adorable, and we all, uh, it's, just, it's just great, right? But then the, the congregation also makes a couple of promises. Remember that? Uh, let, me, let me read those promises to us again. Uh, without the distraction of adorable little babies. Um, I don't know if we hear them when they're so cute, right? Let me read it again. Uh, and I want us to reaffirm these promises. Again, if you've been here and you like the time, there's, there's a good chance that you've made these promises in the past. I want us to make them again. So I'm going to read them slowly. Uh, and if you agree to these promises, we'll say we do at the end of them. So this is, this is what we say with every child dedication. Promise number one, even as Jesus himself gladly receives children, made time for them and blessed them, do you also receive our children into the nurture of our congregation? We do. Promise number two, and do you pledge to come alongside our families as partners in the gospel as they strive to keep these solemn vows? We do. Did you mean it or did you say it because of the social pressure? Y'all just promised, right? Do you mean these promises? If so, we have to live into them, right? And there's, there's so many different ways that we can do this. I mean, even just finding ways to encourage and support the families around you, especially, especially our single parents. Uh, all of us as parents need, need that help, but especially there, find ways to encourage and support, right? Learn the names of the kids who sit near you. And we all kind of generally sit in the same spots, Right? Just learn, learn a few kids' names and then see them out there and give them five, right? Ask them questions about, I don't know, kids' stuff, right? Get to know them. In your community group, don't see the kids that come as a distraction. I know some of the, sometimes it can be chaos, right, in those spaces if your group has a lot of kids. But they're not a distraction. They're part of your group. They, they belong, right? They're members with you in that space. Find a place to serve our families, I mean, certainly we have opportunities here with our children, with our students. You can find places there, but all, there's all kinds of, or, or with older kids, serve with them, like alongside them, which can be such a great way to get to know some of our, our, our older kids, right, is to serve alongside them. It's a little bit less pressure than, like, you know, having to, like, face each other and talk, right? We just serve one another, mentor them, pray for our kids. Our children are not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of right now. And they belong here every bit as much as the rest of us. And they may, they may be our youngest brothers and sisters, but they're still our family. And we're all children of God, aren't we?
I mean, that's why I think this, this is in the Bible, right? It certainly matters, but it gives us such a picture for this rich metaphor. It's often been said that one of the most beautiful things that the gospel gives us is that we are adopted into God's family. We who are enemies, who run from God, hide from God, often want nothing to do with God. We're not just tolerated when we come to him in faith. We are adopted. That God is now our father. Jesus is our brother. And because of his life, death, and resurrection on our behalf, we are now brothers and sisters together in this family, all in this together, trying to figure out what does it mean to learn the way of Jesus together, to follow him in all of life, and all the things that we do, because we have been adopted in. And the goal of our church, right, and the goal of our families is to learn the way of Jesus together.